Hey everyone, it's Amy Lynn Durham and you're listening to Create Magic at Work. Create Magic at Work is on a mission to equip senior leaders with tools they need to be a true servant leader and actually understand what that means. Improve employee engagement, retain top talent, and transform your workplace culture to have less stress and drama. So let's start making magic. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Create Magic at Work. Today, we are talking with Tim Kakir. He's a growth consultant who helps companies, entrepreneurs, and students achieve fast and consistent growth. Working with 17 startups to date, some of his best achievements include helping two startups receiving 1.7 million euros in Horizon 2020 funding, increasing MRR of one startup from 80K to 300K in less than 18 months, and completing projects such as implementation of OKRs. Oh my gosh, Tim, you're going to have to explain all that to me. I'm the spiritual coach. (laughs) Just kidding. He builds company dashboards, rebranding, and product launches. In addition to that, Tim's passion for helping people realize their potential to bring their ideas to life means that he also teaches bachelor and master's programs at two universities in Barcelona, ECEI International Business School Barcelona, and Geneva Business School. During his spare time, you can find him sailing, watching F1, or growing veggies in his garden. I need to know what kind of veggies you grow, so we might get into that today. On Saturday nights, you might find him in the DJ booth. So, Tim, welcome to Create Magic at Work. Hi, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here, Um, and uh, thank you so much uh, for inviting me. And uh, hello to everybody listening to Create Magic at Work. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So I wanted to have you on the show and we connected through some mutual friends um, through Speak On Podcasts, uh, Jakob and Mark, great, great people, because one topic that you really like to share with leaders in the workplace is a new perspective on how to include everyone on your team and Create Magic at Work is really about that. The book is activities to connect people in the workplace. So I wanted you to maybe start off sharing your perspective, because I think it's a little future forward, right? Correct. I think that uh, what's happening is is that um, to include everybody on, on, on growth, on decision-making, uh, we do a lot of brainstorming sessions, we do a lot of whiteboard sessions, and luckily we can do that also online on remote workspaces with tools like Miro, or like whiteboard, digital whiteboard tools and so on. But what I've realized, Amy, is that the creativity or or the idea, the spark, doesn't always come when you say, bring the idea, bring the spark. It's time to spark. There is no time to spark. That doesn't happen on its own. It's not because, okay, 1 to 2 p.m. we'll have a meeting and that's when you're going to have the greatest idea. So what I'm trying to actually build is systems to be able to tap into collective intelligence. What is collective intelligence? It's us. We bring a team together and we pay a great salaries. Hopefully you're, you're doing that in your companies, guys. You know, you bring in the right people at the right place. And then we just put them in a box. And then we're like, all right, you know, this is what you do day to day. When you come to a brainstorming meeting, it's time to brainstorm. When, you know, uh, and that, I think it's very forced. And so what I'm trying to um, achieve with a lot of my clients is having this um, this space, this technological space for when an idea comes to my mind, when it sparks, I have a place to actually a system, a process to put that in. Way cool. I think back to when I was, you know, working as a corporate executive, and that's exactly what we did. 
we would say, hey, we're having this meeting. We need everyone to bring like two or three ideas to the table. And then we're going to, you know, figure out problem solving or working on this project from there. So you describe yourself as a tool addict. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. That is a problem. Actually, I have to go get treated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious when you're talking about this collective intelligence, what are some of the tools that you recommend people use? For example, mm-hmm. maybe in these brainstorming sessions. Yeah. So I think that this started with, uh, back in the day, it started with knowledge management or documentation, as we called it. And we used things like Confluence by Atlassian, or we would use Notion or Evernote or even Google Docs and so on. But this was a bit more of, of, a, of a dump, right? We just put things together and we dump them then and we don't see them again. So instead now, if you do use such a system, it's how can we have a process so that every week, every month, every quarter, these ideas they come back on the surface and we can keep iterating on them or we can keep adding is one of the main things that are very important is if you go today to your Google Docs, I'm sure uh, on your on your drive, you have a bunch of documents that you've completely forgotten that you had a great idea for a marketing campaign three years ago. Have you implemented that? Possibly not. And in the brainstorming session on the marketing campaign brainstorming session, you didn't remember that document, right? And, and that is normal. So how can you have a system where you can tag these and how can they show up when it's time for those ideas to be implemented? This is where I really am addicted with tools and taking the idea of knowledge management into the next phase. And the next phase for me is this really collective intelligence, not just documents, not just our brains and our ideas, but also our processes, our systems, the data that companies putting out the data that is out there in the market, in the industry. How can we bring all this in one place, in in a software, in a platform, in a tool, whatever you want to call it? And how can we systemize this platform and ourselves to keep this always um, neat, tidy, and always making sure that we keep building on top of this? Because this is really where the collective intelligence is, is if Amy and Tim, they contribute and they collaborate on a document, Right. And then in a week's time, when an important meeting comes and you're like, oh, Amy says, yeah, I have I have I've tagged that. You just have to search for it. Boom. You click it. You search it. That document comes. And then suddenly a couple more people during the meeting can add their own ideas onto it. Right. Here we go. We're achieving collective intelligence. Now, five people has worked on that idea. And and that and that idea now is much more of a solid idea that we can experiment and test on. Wow. You have me thinking of all the notes I've taken in my career on pen and paper, uh, all of the Google Drive documents I've had that I never go back to. (laughs) In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I had a stack of just notes, uh, papers, and I, I, I was like, I can't anymore. I'm just throwing all these away. They just sit around. And what do I do with these? And sometimes I you can feel so overwhelmed with all these notes you've taken that then all of a sudden you don't do anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I love how you're talking about the collaboration piece. So if you're tagging other people in it, you can keep the idea or the document alive per se, as everyone's like working on it, right? Collective intelligence. Where did that come from? Because we talk a lot about spiritual intelligence on Create Magic at Work with our guests. Tell us a little bit more about 
where you got collective intelligence? Yeah, so I think collective intelligence, I mean, when you research, I was just, I've been using that hashtag quite a bit. And then I looked on LinkedIn, how many followers and and it was very disappointing, actually, it was like, I I think, (laughs) a 1000 or 2000 followers Uh on the hashtag. And I was like, Oh, my God, I'm doing so many posts around this. And this is really what I'm, um, I'm trying to push out there in the world. And, and I will still continue. Mm -hmm. And hopefully other people will follow. So Go follow Collective Intelligence on LinkedIn. I have a bunch of posts coming. So uh, so Collective Intelligence really came to me because I've changed a lot what I used to do. I started in sales. I went to uh, marketing. Then I went a little bit to product. Then I found really my love in operations. And I was CEO of a, of a, of a tech company, of a startup. And what I've realized is that growth is not from sales, from marketing, from product. Growth is about having the right people in the right place, with the right systems, tools, processes, uh, the right goals, you know, and empowering them, making sure that th- th- they are at the right place, right? And, and it's the right people. And that will grow your company. So growth is not these little hacks in marketing, these little sales outbound calling and stuff. That's not growth. That helps you, but that is not sustainable. That is a little a spike on your growth and it's not sustainable and it's not creating the system where people and your company grows itself. Right. And so when I mm-hmm. looked at that, I suddenly found out this, this intelligence piece, right? So data, everybody talks about data driven, but I'm really much more about data informed and not about data driven. And then I realized, you know, we hire some amazing people, right? And this is why we hire them because they're amazing. Their brains are, are great. They're, they're so intelligent and, and that's what we need. That's why we need them where we need them. And then really we've been, we, we've really been, um, blocking them or limiting them by putting them in, in, in their positions. Right. So, so um, this collective came from having different people all around my company. We had, I think, uh, it was a small startup. We had about 47 people. We we're doing really well. And I realized that customer support wouldn't know what's going on in sales. Sales wouldn't know what's going on in marketing and so on. You'd try to update each other in a meeting. You'd show some slides and so on. And that wasn't collective at all. That was just one uh, way communication almost, right? Because one person is presenting is telling you what, what has been done. So suddenly I've started to test these different products that we've mentioned in tools and so on. And it's not the tools, but it's, it's how do you structure those tools? And when I figured that out about how to systemize it and how that intelligence from the data to from quantitative to qualitative, how is it there? And how is collectively all my team members can show up to this software, to this platform every day? And how can they contribute to it? And how can they read what's happened, right? And that start bringing me into this collective intelligence kind of thing, um, format, team, uh, topic, if you if you per se. And, mm-hmm. and that really uh, been helping me build a new framework where I'm testing this framework for companies, Amy. And um, it's like the next version of OKRs, but with the collective intelligence um, plugged into it with uh, creativity, ideation, and experimentation plugged into it. And and that's what I've been working on the last uh, three years, to be honest. It's my framework that I implement in my clients, in my own companies, in, and sometimes in my friends' companies. And I'm, get, I'm gathering a lot of uh, feedback and data on this framework. Okay. Really quickly, for those of us that have been out of the game for a while, what is OKR? Yes, OKRs is Objectives and Key Results. So like it's a KPI. <laughs> so it's, some people call them KPIs or is that different? Well, it's, it's much different actually, Amy, because uh, key mm. results are what you're aiming for, right? 
And the KPIs, you cannot aim for a KPI. A KPI is a key performance indicator, right? A KPI is on a dashboard. A KPI is a number that moves when you do things, when you experiment, when you grow, when you do marketing or, 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 or so, uh, that will move. So the KPIs are the actual numbers. They are the current numbers. But the key result is to say, I want to take this KPI from here and grow it by 30%. That's a key result, right? So a key result will be very quantitative. But um, a uh, objective will be much more qualitative, will be a state where you want to get to. You want to say, I want to be the number one in our industry in Europe, right? That's an objective. And how to achieve that, you might have three to five key results, right? It's by taking 30% of the market, by making sure that uh, you have uh, 1,000 happy customers or so on, right? Those are the key results. So KPIs, 100% is a thing. But it's not a framework, right? So OKRs helps you bring your KPIs and give some goals uh, and objectives and key results, as we said, and make that a framework, make that a roadmap, if we can say. Hi there, it's Amy here. Have you already experienced success in your business and life, but feel like there's something more? You're desiring to feel more ease in your business and life. You want to refine your inner voice to where it becomes a powerful inner compass. You want to live in courage, clarity, and confidence. And you're looking for someone that can deeply listen in a safe space to co-create real results. I can help you tap into your own inner magic and turn what you say you want into a reality with my new Elevate one-on-one coaching program. If that sounds like something that you're interested in and you felt that feeling when I was describing it, email me, amy at createmagicatwork.net or go to createmagicatwork.net forward slash work with me. You can apply there. Sending magic to you. Yeah, thanks for explaining that. Talking about data informed versus data driven. Mm -hmm. I love the differentiation you shared with that. I experienced a lot in my corporate life. I actually put in my book, people being selectively data-driven. They wouldn't focus on the full um, metrics that were in front of them. They only would focus on the ones that made sense to them. And often they were financial only. So if you couldn't see, you know, where the money was bleeding with employees leaving right away on a piece of data, then it would be ignored. Or if you didn't understand it, some leaders would just ignore that data and only focus on the data that they were comfortable with. And so I sort of coined this, you know, selectively data-driven executive. And really, data-informed is the way to go. Because I think recently, I need to fact check this, and we'll put this in the show notes, Harvard Business Review came out with a research study saying no matter how much data you have, as a leader, you still make decisions from your quote unquote gut. And I've talked about this a little bit um, in some past episodes. So if you're going to, at the end of the day, with all of your life experience and everything you've gone through, be data informed and then make a leadership decision based on your gut really is what they're saying is happening at a high percentage of time. You better have a strong gut. And in spiritual intelligence, that is putting your ego aside and making the gut decision from your higher self, making wise and compassionate decisions. 
And with this collective intelligence, you're, you're almost creating like a collective gut where <laughs> you have, <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm just, that's what I'm thinking of. And it's really cool because you're removing all of the silos and you're moving people into a quantum leadership space with this uh, collective intelligence where titles don't matter, where you're not just reporting in on your project, but where everyone's collaborating and contributing and you're respecting their brain power. And it's not just IQ, right? It's EQ and and SQ. That's the top. That's the, you know, the I am. That's the top of the leadership ladder for me at any rate. So anyway, I just wanted to sort of elaborate on that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I've taken note of collective gut. I've never used that one. And I'm definitely going to use that, Amy. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I just want to go on. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. I want royalties <laughs> if it explodes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll tag you. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I want to go back to what you said about the selective uh, data driven, right? And I've had I've had a couple of yes. leaders uh, back in the day, clients and so on, or 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 people that I hang out with, and they would ask, you know, they would say, "Okay, great, can you bring me some data so I can make a decision towards that challenge or towards that decision that we need to." And then you'd bring the data and they'd be like, yeah, I don't like that data. Can you go back and and find something else? And you're like, well, that is the data, what it says. And they're like, yeah, well, I don't like it. And it's like, oh, okay, Um, you don't like it. So we have to change the data. We have to find other data that doesn't exist or so on. Right. So I've even heard that, right? It's like, I don't like that data. Find me some other data. And it's like, what, really? So this is because people want to be data-driven because they, they've had, about 10 years ago, we, we got this trend, right? I think 10, 12 years ago, be data-driven, more data-driven. Every CV had data-driven. Every LinkedIn headline was, I'm a data-driven person. They said, don't be data-driven, right? Be data-informed, right? Because the human instinct, because the creativity, because um, spirituality, because emotions, right? These all have to play into decision-making, right? They have to. Why do they have to? That we have seen examples from a pandemic, right? We've had uh, we've had companies that looked at their dashboards and they saw, uh oh, you know, everybody's locked locked at home. Uh, my shops have to close, and so on. They looked at the data. They're like, uh oh, the data is going really bad, right? And they could have just made a decision to close things to get um, rid of some of our team members and so on. But great leaders. They looked at the data, they looked at the politics and what's happening around the world, they looked at, at emotions of people, they looked at how people are going to connect with their families um, now that they're stuck at home and so on, and they made decisions not from being data-driven, but being informed, and they created new features, they created new products, they closed their stores, they went fully online, they've done some incredible stuff that if it was just a pure data-driven decisions, uh, we wouldn't be where we are today. So um, those leaders, first of all, big up to them. And we can see that from top tech leaders as well, right? Um, You know, they are on the highway and they don't look at data. They look at, you know, how can I solve a problem? And then they look at data. They inform themselves with that that data and they go, they experiment, right? They experiment. They think about people. They think about how people are going to react, how they're going to feel and so on. And they test things and then they create some amazing companies and projects. So um, I think that that's super important. And this is why this collective gut that you mentioned, <laughs> I, I really love it. And, <laughs> and I'm going to make possibly an article about it and I'll mention you on that. 
And uh, and on the collective <laughs> gut, it's taking that gut decision making, that emotional one person, and amplifying them. Right. Um, this is why we create companies. This is why AI and machine learning and and robots are not going to take our jobs because they cannot think outside the box. And this is why we take humans because we want them to be emotional sometimes. Yes, on the bad day, it's not the best decision you're going to make. You know, um, hopefully in a good day, you're going to make a better decision. But we bring people together to have different angles. We bring culture together. You know, we bring languages. We bring different uh, ra- um, different races, different different ethnicities. We bring different genders together, right? And this is what we're trying to do in the world is to hear everybody out. Because if we hear everybody out about the problem, we might find many other solutions that could be ethically more correct than maybe the decision that the data has uh, that was trying to drive us towards, right? So, so this is why I think um, going back to the title of your podcast, create magic at work. To create that magic at work, in my opinion, it's to to be uh, fully inclusive. You know, it's it's to have compassion, um, humility. It's it's the topic of servant leadership, right? If you're going to be a leader, be a servant leader because the people that you bring together are the people who are going to grow your company. They are the people who are going to make the work magical. They are the people that you've relied on when you hired them. So please keep relying on them, but create the space for them to be their best selves. Yeah. There's a skill in spiritual intelligence called breadth of time perception. And it you're really reminding me of that skill because what it asks is as a leader, can you make leadership decisions from the paradox of knowing that your life is extremely profound, yet also a tiny piece of the history of the universe? And so can you make leadership decisions from that space? And I think that's really where this conversation has gone from data driven to data informed and servant leadership is you were describing the situation during the pandemic where these leaders that were successful went with the data informed route. And also you were talking about ethics, you know, what's our ripple effect? What's our effect on the humans that work for us and the legacy that we're going to leave? And so I also, I, I'm curious about another thing on that note. I saw you mention that a question, you posed a question, are we empowering the right people? Mm-hmm. And that you were feeling that there was a power shift uh, going on in sort of the corporate consciousness, if you will. Mm-hmm. I'm making up all sorts of terms today in our, <laughs> in our episode. <laughs> So, so can you elaborate on, on the power shift that you were talking about? I am, first of all, thank you for seeing that post. I guess that you saw that on LinkedIn or maybe on my newsletter um, today was all about that shift of the power. And, um, and this, I've been following obviously the war that started in Europe, uh, between, uh, Russia and Ukraine. And it's not between Russia and Ukraine, it's between Russia and almost the rest of the world. Right. Um, I'm not very political. I don't like politics at all. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I almost want to say that I hate politics because it makes us divide. It divides us. It doesn't unite us. Politicians and politics are to divide us and we shouldn't. We should unite. We should unite. We are human, humans. We are a species and we are mother nature. We live in this world. 
I'm a little bit hippie like that, even if I love my software platforms and tools. Um, <laughs> I still go back to, to nature on the weekends and, and disconnect. That's where I disconnect. And uh, the shift of power, uh, we've seen it big time on, on, on this war that, that has started. Uh, we've had companies, brands, the biggest ones in the world, and even some small ones, uh, cut, down, uh, cut services in, in, in Russia. Uh, cut down uh, some shops, you know, say we don't sell there anymore. Apple is not going to work there anymore. Uh, you can't do swift payments anymore. Uh, you can't do ads on Facebook anymore. Um, you know, and then we've seen a country like Ukraine lose internet. And Elon Musk in about 11 hours, he, he brought Starlink and he provided internet in 11 hours. I don't see any politician <laughs> that could do that. Uh, there is no no politician, no president in the world that can make that happen in 11 hours. They'd have to have about hundreds of meetings for six months until they could even decide if they should send electricity to a country or not, right? But in a flick of, of a decision by somebody like Elon Musk, um, things can change now, right? Tech leaders that, who own these biggest tech companies in the world are the people who are starting to have this power. And uh, I love that. But also it scares me because are they going to use it for the right things? Uh, I'm not sure. If it's to say, okay, the world is finished and let's go to Mars, I don't want that. We still have a chance here. You know, I don't want the plan B. I want to work still on plan A, which is save this planet, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm starting to question now, Amy. It's like these, you know, they're getting power, not because we gave it to them, but they're giving, they're getting this power because we use their services and we made them these big entrepreneurs, these big business leaders and these tech leaders. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's good, maybe. But we m have to make sure that it's not a centralized decision again. It's not just one person making that decision, but it's decentralized. This is why we love blockchain. This is why we love crypto, right? It's suddenly we're giving uh, the power to different people, to lots of people. So how can we make that on decision-making is now my next topic of, of this year, is that how can we make decision-making decentralized? How can we make decision-making Collectively, how can we get that collective intelligence and make decisions together? Because we live in this world. We're close to 8 billion people. We live in this world. We are the ones who goes out every day that spends our money. We are the ones who work. We are the ones that does this. A politician who gets $10 million uh, salary a year, I think that should not be acceptable anymore. That should not be acceptable anymore. What should be acceptable is that we, as a community, can vote, by, by, and, and, and this is sad because this is what the countries were created on and, and it's gone the other way around, right? It's, a, it's not even vote, but how can we have a, a real say? And it's not just, okay, I'm electing somebody that's going to become, you know, an MP or so on. No, it's like, how can we have this information at our hands, right? Collect, collective intelligence, knowledge management, everything that I said before. How can we have a system in front of us and how can we know what could be the world's next steps? What could be my country's next steps, right? So I think that's important. And the shift of power is really going to teach us a lot. I think it taught some politicians some big lessons lately, right? Uh, they've, they've attacked the country. He attacked the country. And he's like, uh-oh, you know, uh, it's my, the power that I had. It's not just me anymore. There is so much against me. There is so many of these uh, tech leaders that also care about humanity. And humanity will win again right? Because um, that's what should be winning, in my opinion. But um, hopefully, these new powers that we're giving to these leaders, hopefully they are servant leaders, right? Hopefully, they will put the needs of us, of others, than themselves, before themselves, right? Before their individual needs. If they can do mm -hmm. that, 
I think we're shifting the right direction, that, that power. You know, if we can provide support to them and we can guide them or they can guide them, we can create more resources and together we can make these decisions. You know, um, it goes back to, to, to what I mentioned. I think it's, it's definitely compassion and hum- humility. You know, if these leaders are going to be like that, I think we're in the right direction. But let's see, it's still very early, early days. Um, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the outcomes uh, that we're going to have in the next year or two years after the pandemic, the world, we try to come back. And some other problems have started, right? Political problems, wars, mm-hmm. and so on. Let's see what we're going to learn from that as well. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the learnings, uh, we're not going to just forget them and and make um, the same mistakes we've done historically. Uh, I want to add one more thing, Amy, just here. Yeah. It's, I have this motto, this motto in my life at the moment. Every morning when I open up my computer, it's the first sentence that I see. It's track the past, order the present, and design the future. Right, and this is what I try to build all my system, all my work, all my companies around. You know, if we can track that past and learn from it, you know, we can order the present and see what's where and and how, and the, and we can find things. Then we have a chance on designing a better future. Yeah, thank you for that, Tim. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing all of that. You have me. It really is a new world where we have to be really conscious of, I mean, you just really made me think of who we're giving our money to really, as far (laughs) as technology companies go. And then also, I don't know if I have the answer today, but how do we hold these leaders to account in making sure that they are being good leaders? And I really want to say quantum leaders. I mean, everything you're discussing is quantum leadership learning that innovation and inspiration comes from the edge of chaos and mistakes. I mean, that was that final quote, you know, that you shared and like understanding not only the impact that they have with finances, but the impact they have on the planet, the impact they have on humanity and the ripple effect that they send in that way. And that that's what Create Magic at Work is all about. Uh, so very, very um, deep topics, but really hopefully gets a lot of people thinking and thinking sometimes this can sound so big that you could be listening to this or I could be sitting here myself and like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm just one person. And then we end up doing nothing because it can feel so overwhelming. So then we just go watch Netflix <laughs> and check out from there. So I would encourage anyone that that's listening to this. I get it. I get how things can feel so big. So Tim, you're the guest here. What what do you offer? Maybe like one thing that people can do that empowers because we we're talking about empowerment that doesn't feel so big. I think the, the, those those small. Uh, the small activities, the small things that you do are very important. And don't say, okay, I'm just one person. I should not do it. So let mm-hmm. me sit and watch Netflix. It's a really, <laughs> re- re- I mean, I do that. But, uh, you know, I want to give another example. If we do have the time, Amy, is... Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's uh, my dad, um, he taught me a lot in life. And I think one of the biggest lessons that he, he taught me is, you know, it's don't do anything uh, to somebody that you wouldn't want to be done to yourself, right? And And I think that's where my humility and so on will come my empathy and stuff like that but then there's one thing that i'm i'm actually i i hope he does he will listen to this 
uh, that I that I don't agree with him is sometimes I sadly react badly maybe in the streets or whatever to people who throws garbage on the floor, who, who drives really bad, who doesn't respect another. Maybe I don't know how to react, you know, how to do it nicely. I react quite badly and 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 because I don't like people doing things to others that shouldn't be done to, if they wouldn't like it if it was done to them. You know, so I don't know how to deal with that yet, but my dad keeps telling me, you are not the one who's going to change the world. You know, you're not the one who's going to teach people. And I'm like, well, if I'm not the one, you're not the one. Amy's not the one. Who is the one? Right? Then there is nobody. Then nobody will do it because, because this is like the blame game. Oh, somebody else should do it. I'm not going to the one. Let me throw the, sometimes we call it the hot potato, right? This is the problem. This is the potato. Let me throw it to somebody else. No. Let's chop that potato. Let's, let's handle some bits and bobs together, right? And again, that's collective intelligence. That's let's get together and let's do our little small acts of kindness. Let's make our small acts of kindness to the world, to nature. You know, if we do that, we might have a chance. We might have a better chance on the planet A to stay here and to create a better world. Uh, but if we don't do that, I don't know where, where we're going, to be honest. So. Yeah. I want to add that. <laughs> do unto others as you would have done to you. It's a spiritual law that runs through, I think, every religion on the planet. And then the other thing when you're talking about, it's don't expect others to do what you would do for them. <laughs> That's not a spiritual law, but I was thinking of that when you were talking about the trash and everything. So, yeah, thanks for offering that as well. I can't wait to hear what your dad thinks of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Now, now that finally I'm putting a podcast out there, maybe if he hears it, he's going to be like, you know what? <laughs> he might be right on that one. <laughs> no, but as a message to everybody, I think don't feel small. You know, don't feel like you don't have the power. You know, I think that if we all do it, if my community does it, if my neighborhood does it, then my community does it, then my country does it, that's a big effect. So it starts from us. It does start from yes. us. So, so show up. Definitely. Do the thing that you think is right, you know, get feedback, experiment things, learn from them, uh, you know, and bring bring other people's uh, to get other people's intelligence together so that you are not the only person that makes that decision. And hopefully that helps us uh, create a better um, world and that will help us create a better work, a better workplace. And, and that's the aim, I think, you, you know, we want to work with passion every day. We want to show up with love to what we do. And each day, if you just send a ripple effect out, that's enough. You know, every day, just know that you can make a difference and that your life is extremely important and that there's a reason why you're here. Yep. That's part yep, of that 100%. paradox, right? So I'm going to pull a journal prompt card for you from my journal prompt card deck. And um, it's going to be a message from the universe uh, helping with our conversation here. And this is going to be for you and myself and all the listeners right now. Let's see what we got. This is kind of funny because we've been talking about responsibility. We got responsibility. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the, the affirmation on the card is I make decision. I can't believe we just got the, the affirmation on the card. I just shuffled. I swear is I make decisions for others the way I would want them made for me. I saw her shuffle it. I, I saw you shuffle it. So yes, <laughs> that is incredible. I know. So yeah, I make decisions for others the way I would want them made for me. Responsibility. Tim, what can you or people do to ensure 
they speak about others in an empathetic and non-judgmental way. What they could do is is to stop a second to pause before they make a comment or they say anything because we when we comment and we say things we just say right away and we we we're, we're too fast. We're too fast. And we don't have to. You know, taking a pause and thinking about something another time actually makes us say better things. So take a pause, you know, what you're going to say, say it in your head, not out loud, say it in your head and see if that is nice to yourself, right? If if you think that it's a good thing to say. I bet you about 70-80% of the things that you were going to say, you will tone them down, you will say in a better way. So that's the one thing that I would I would really recommend and I'm trying that myself, you know, it's to pause a second because I have a lot of things going on in my head and I want to answer right away and instead take a second, pause. Say that to yourself and I bet you you're going to change that, you're going to optimize what you were going to say. So if you do that, I think we're going to create a better relationship with people. We're going to create a better network and we're going to we're going to be nicer to each other. And um I'm going to add something to that because because of your card, responsibility. I wasn't so much of a responsible person. Let's say I love to party, go out and so on. You know, I don't you know, I wasn't taking care of myself really well, but now I have a baby. You know, I've had a baby uh, for 8 months now, my baby girl. Um and now I I have to be more responsible. I have to think about my actions twice, three times before I do it because I'm an example now to another human and I want that human to be better than me, right? So I'm not going to recommend to everybody to go have kids, <laughs> you know, but think about it like that. You know, you're an example to others, right? If you're an example and others are going to follow you, make sure that you're doing the right decision and and that you can't do it maybe on your own ask your partner ask people around you tap into that collective intelligence that is around you that's what i would recommend amy yeah really good thank you the first episode of season 2 just came out a few weeks ago and we talked about with Aaron Tobacco practicing presence at a high level and he basically was saying the listen to understand and not to respond was old hat and that that you have to go beyond that. And I love your tip on pausing. Like Aaron was saying, you know, just bearing witness to someone speaking is like the next level of being present for someone. And um, I think you just sort of added a more like a grounding tip to be able to do that a little bit more yeah, at a higher level. Yeah, it's okay to say I can't answer that right now. Or let me get back to you on that one. It, it is okay. Mm-hmm. And and I don't do that yet very well neither. And I'm trying this year has been one thing, you know, it's like, let me not answer now. Let me take my time and let me, let me get back to you. It's going to be a better answer. It's going to be a better decision. It's going to be much, much better. So let's do that. Let's all do that. Yeah. Thank you. Tim, thank you so much for being on Create Magic at Work today. How can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about collective intelligence and all the other tools you have from being a tool addict? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very simple. <laughs> At the moment, um, I'm very much on my LinkedIn. So if you go on LinkedIn and uh, you search for Tim Kakir, obviously Tim T-I-M, Kakir is C-A-K-I-R. I should be the first one that shows up. Uh, follow me on there. I'm a content creator. Every day there's a post. I have a newsletter that you can find on my about section that you can subscribe to. I have my website links there and so on. But LinkedIn is really the place that I'm I'm the most vocal about all the topics that we've discussed. Thank you so much for being on on the show and thanks for sending magic to everyone. I encourage everyone listening to go back and 
listen to this a couple more times. So some of these concepts can really sink in because they can really get you thinking about how you can leave your mark in the world in a positive way. So thanks, Tim. Amy, thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Hey, everyone, it's Amy here. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Create Magic at Work. And please come back often and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Keep joining us for more exciting episodes where we help you transform workplace culture to systems that create less drama and stress and have high productivity and profitability. You can get your own tools for the workplace at createmagicatwork.net. I have a new Create Magic at Work, the journal that just released. And it invites you to reflect about different themes for work in your career. Each section of the journal contains a topic, an affirmation, and two prompt questions to help you journal your thoughts. Topics are like inspiring others, mentorship, expansion, and productivity. Connect with me at createmagicatwork.net. Also connect with me on LinkedIn under Amy Lynn Durham. Sending magic to everyone and see you next time.